0: Hail hail! Good evening, folks, and welcome along to this special episode, rewind episode of the Endless Celts podcast. Uh, my name is Anthony, uh, one of the show regulars, and tonight delighted to be joined by Captain of the Endless Celts himself, Mister Stephen Tomlinson. How are you mate?
1: All good, all good, man. I think we've got some news to, to break out among the people, as people can see here on the screen. We've got a brand new sponsor, and that's Beer Fifty Two. We're absolutely delighted to have them on board a company who I've used before during lockdown and stuff, so I want to show you all something fresh mm-hmm. in the post. Fresh in the post today, boys. The box itself. Look oh, at that. Fantastic. Wow. Smart. Smart, isn't it? I mean, in this box as well, you get eight different types of beers. You can mix between light, light eels, dark eels, a mixture of everything. And then on us, by the way, you get your free case by going to beer52.com forward slash sell. So just the you kind of go through this, was absolutely mental by the way, just nuts. I love a craft beer, never so seen wonderful. a man
0: look so happy getting a box oh,
1: of beer, he's loving it <laughs> 100%. I mean, look at this, look at all the different stuff, unbelievable. Two chefs brewing, ah. wonderful. We'll have molester fuel, I can't really say that properly, but again, another foreign beer on the incredible. And you also get snacks, you get oh, snacks wow. to wash it all down with. I got cancels. Incredible as well. Like, And I think for myself, I'm going to crack open one. Yeah, right, podcast right. to celebrate. Right. It's
0: a and rewind episode, of... why not? And, exactly. Uh, also joining us tonight, uh, so we're delighted from the Boise Bus, one of our uh, good friends, Mr. Busstalgia himself, Phil McGinley. How are you, my friend? I'm good, mate. I've got got no uh,
2: products to sell. Like our salesman here, Stephen, that was fantastic, (laughs) mate. But one thing I can do, I can tick Anthony off my bingo card. My Endless Sales bingo card is almost full. I just need John Tomlinson to complete the set because I'd be on screen (laughs) with everybody else in Endless Sales apart from John. He's he's still running from me. He's the only one I need. But yeah, Anthony, you're now ticking off the list as well, mate. Uh, I'll
1: I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing. Sorry to interrupt. You (laughs) also get a lovely magazine. Mm-hmm. oh look at this <laughs> and you know what this does it tells you all the different things of the beer and you get a different thing each month and as i said use our code beer52.com forward slash salts. claim your feet your free case of beer only have to cover the postage which is great i mean this beer is great i love an ale Anyone else who loves an ale get on it it's absolutely fantastic and thanks again beer 52 for sponsoring the show
0: I'm just delighted that you're branching out on reading different kinds of magazines now, Stephen. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so the reason we're here tonight, guys, is obviously we're delighted to be back dining at the top table in the Champions League this year. So we thought it'd be best, uh, it'd be a good idea that when the opportunities arise to go and look back at some of your previous ventures uh, in the top tournament. We started off a few weeks back, we looked at our debut season 2001-2002. Uh, when we first ventured into the Champions League group stages for the first time. And tonight we're going to be looking back uh, to season 2003-2004, um, which was on happened on the back of an historic uh, run to the UEFA Cup final in Seville. Um, that was the original trip. Don't be fooled by all these, you know, second-rate um, imitations that we've had uh, in recent times. Um, that's uh, Following on for that, we went into our our final season, uh, having the likes of a certain Mr Larson at our disposal. Um, And uh, just before we we, we, kind of get much further into the the sort of way of, you know, looking back on how we got on, I'm going to come to you first, Stephen. um, 25 years uh, this this season since he signed. um, I think he wasn't too bad a player, was he?
1: I mean, up until about three years ago, I was still having through the doors. He was absolutely... (laughs) An incredible player, the best player. I mean, <clears throat> we've talked about him loads of times. He's the best player of my lifetime supporting Celtic. Just the, the way he was, the way he con- conducted himself. the The fact that all these different clubs were after him at one point, like City United, teams like that, he publicly admitted that as well. And he stayed with us because he wanted to be with Celtic Football Club, and he played his best football in his prime years of us. Which I think speaks a lot in European football. I think he still holds the record for a Scottish club for goals scored, if I'm correct. That's, that's yeah. Mm-hmm. So again. He said he was fatal to everything, do you know? What I mean, he was in the king of kings. And what else, what, what more can you say about the fellow? He was incredible. And then, obviously, the story I mean, you spoke about a film when you were um, last on about Jordan Larson coming to
2: oh, the yeah. Celtic Park that
1: didn't, that didn't come to fruition. But that just to have Henrik through the doors at that point in time was incredible,
0: oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely buying one, Stephen. And I think it, it Phil, as, as Stephen touched on there. One of the things about apart from ability and goals scored and, and everything else why he's always treasured that little bit more uh, than perhaps most. Uh, and we've had some great strikers since, but it was the fact that we knew he was, anyone with half a football brain could see he was a world-class talent. And yet, even with that, he, he gave us his, uh, what you would, although he went on to win the Champions League uh, and the, the English um, Premier League after um, leaving us, he did still give us his peak years, didn't he?
2: He did. I think it speaks volumes for the guy and how much he loved the club that he still says to this day he cannot watch the UEFA Cup final back again. Guys won the Champions League of Barcelona, but it's like that game with the the one that he regrets that UEFA Cup. Obviously, Champions League's a big one, but yeah, mm. he says to this day he still can't watch it back. I think that speaks volumes how much he loved the club and how much we loved them as well. Because yeah, I feel his pain there. I find it very hard to look back. At. I don't know. I've, I've seen the goals since, but uh yeah, simply the guy if he can't watch it again because it was. It was a sore one. Of course, the time period we're talking about tonight mm-hmm. is right smack bang in that moment as well, just after mm-hmm. it, the 2003-2004 season. Um, but he was, he was something else, man. You could, you could do a whole three, four-hour podcast about Henrik Larson on his own, just like, what a guy. It's every type yeah. of goal, world-class player. And not to be overlooked, just he was playing in Scotland. That's always the, the weirdest part. So many people down south in particular, Ark, he's only doing it because he's playing in Scotland. No, 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 no. hes You've got to understand this guy was different gravy. Absolutely. Cut from a different cloth on, honestly.
0: Was, he was just, he was different gravy, as they say. Just a, a, an absolute, it was a privilege to watch him, it really was. But, you know, that was this was going to be his final season uh, mm-hmm. in Celtic colours. But I have to say, he signed off in, in some in most stylish of styles because Umbro that season. Uh, unleashed an absolute tremendous uh, away kit. I don't know what you we're talking about it off air, Stephen. Um, the original Black Magic away kit, for anyone that uh, can't remember, it was the original black one that had the gold trim sort of down the, the shoulder area that sort of morphed into like a little umbral, uh sort of sign near the end. Um, it was an absolute belter. And we've had a few incarnations of it since, but for me, the 2004 version uh, still reigns supreme. What about you, Stephen?
1: I mean, that that kit strikes like vivid in my mind because I got Petrov in the back of it. I remember the gold letters. It was yeah. incredible to look at. And it was it actually felt nice on. Do you remember Warren? It? it felt like a clothy mm-hmm. type material. It wasn't like yeah. stuck to you or like a like a silicone or whatever. It was it was a fantastic kit. And as you said, there's been plenty of uh times where it's been trying to re- uh, recreate it and different kind of looks on it. But that that kit was incredible. And it's kinda you can see the legs of Lenny in it. You can see Thompson playing mm-hmm. in it. You can even see um Janino as well. He played on it, didn't he? I believe. I think
0: think it it, it became the third kit the following season. Genio signed, and uh, yeah, I'm sure you're right. He definitely featured on it. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm sure. And you
1: you can you can picture the players on it. It's one of them kits that strike your mind because you can picture everything, and it it was a brilliant kit. I
0: remember they brought out a very similar version in Brendan's first season. For it was the white, but it was. I, I I thought it just it was almost like you know it was a, if you bought a fake one the original in Turkey you know it just it didn't quite <laughs> have right. the same the same wow factor but it was uh, I was definitely a fan of it. What about yourself?
2: I, I had that. In fact, I like the pink kit as well that season. I like the yeah. gonna be a bit out there with it. But it's no coincidence. Mm. Every black kit always feels just dead clean looking and like really mm. sharp. Um the other one that springs to mind is 2012-13, the black one with tennis yeah. across the front. It had the tricolor on the underside of the sleeve. Mm-hmm. I really remember Lenny with the tracky on and the collar. Oh, I remember that that. And the, <laughs> a skinhead Lenny with the big tricolour uh, mm-hmm. collar sticking out. And I'm just like, that's the new Lenny, and I like this is all. Right. Yeah, but that was the this the black kit that was associated with as well. see black mm-hmm. kits and Celtic just seem to go really, really well together down the years. Absolutely, was that. that was
0: uh, that was biblical that tracksuit. I loved it. And like <laughs> it you say, good, of, of all uh, managers that we had at the time, it was uh, Lenny. But was uh, oh, it was an absolute cracker. You're buying on, Egyptian King. <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll, get back to, we'll, we'll get right into the, the football, uh, guys. And I'm not going to dwell too much on something that's normally an Achilles heel for us, the qualifying phase, because uh, there was a, um, it was a relatively stress-free campaign that year, um, both 4-0 away from home victories and reversal of a 1-0 win at Celtic Park, so normally the other way around. But uh, yeah, back then, our away them, certainly in the UEFA Cup, uh, was absolutely fantastic. And, um, yeah, th- th- any potential banana skins were absolutely avoided. They uh, started off uh, playing with Kaunas. Uh, that was at the opening match. Uh, and once we got rid of them, we took on MTK Hungaria, which was obviously the daily record and the Sun were getting their pens sharpened. They were looking forward to us potentially slipping up again, another FC Basel moment. But, uh, yeah, the game was essentially over by the other mark when we were 3-0 we were up and we scored one just right at the end to make it 4 uh, Chris Sutton scored the goal um, in the return leg at Parkhead. Just a, a, a pretty, it's one of the games just get it out of the way, and we can look forward to the group stage draw. Um, but yeah, as um, as qualifying campaigns go, it was definitely one of the one of the easier ones, and um, we were, got our, our passport to the the group stages. Uh, it was one of the it was the first time in history that both Celtic and Rangers. I remember mm-hmm. them, were in the group stages at the same time. So mm-hmm. it was a little bit of history this season in more ways than one. Um, but we were drawn in Group A that year um, alongside the likes of the Moths uh, that are Bayern Munich. Um, but another team uh, that you know, maybe some of the younger viewers might only think PSG have been doing this since uh, time began... But Phil, you remember, um I don't remember right, Leon back then, they were they were the absolute top dogs in France had some amazing players managed by future Rangers manager Paul Le Guin. Paul Le Guin. Um they, they were they were always I always kinda of called them sort of like the Atletico Madrid of this generation. They're, yeah. they're maybe never going to win it, but they were they're always there or thereabouts and they were always a, a sort of decent outside bet. Um mm. they were a cracking team, weren't they?
2: Aye, this is the Lyon side, I think, in the mid-2001, like, seven titles on the bounce. After Le Gwen left, Gerard Houllier goes there and continues it. They win a few, because PSG were... Yeah, until they got the money coming in in the twenty tens, oh. they were always an all right team in France. By Leon had that period in the two thousands, unbelievable. And the talisman for them is Juninho. but it's not the Juninho that played for us. Oh no, 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 no! It's a different Brazilian Juninho. But um, if you think free kicks, Fort Nakamura was good. My God, Nakamura mm-hmm. was good. This guy, I think, mm-hmm. has the record for like the most free kicks scored in French league and then the Champions League and stuff like. That. He is. He was absurd that he was playing against us in this uh this campaign. If I remember it rightly.
0: Yeah, he was, he was he was. That's he, always one of the, the standout players uh, for Leon, like you say, a dead ball specialist, as we mm-hmm. found out, sadly, to our detriment, but what can you do? Uh, and our other group, group opponents were uh, under left, so we made up Group A of the Champions League uh, that year, and uh, I think we can need safe to say that confidence was pretty high on the back of a, a really good debut run where it was sort of game six heartache um, against Juventus where we did everything right. We won the matches, as best and, and but it was just the sort of uh, results didn't go our way the other, on the other side. And then obviously our UEFA Cup run uh, the season after that. I, I think confidence was pretty high going into the tournament that we could progress out the group. We certainly had the players to do it. And uh, I'll come right back to you, Phil, because the opening match of that campaign was in the old Olympic Stadium in in Munich Mm -hmm. in September 2003, where uh, we took on the mighty Bayern Munich in the opening game and uh, went 1-0 up early in the second half. Brilliant header for Alan Thompson. And uh, we just thought it was just another day on the road. You know, we've had Liverpool and the likes that some of the rest of them put to the sword. We thought Mm -hmm. Bayern Munich was just going to be the latest scalp. But uh, unfortunately, their big summer signing of that year, Roy Mackay, you know, the, okay. the Lewandowski off his era, um, mm-hmm. sadly put us to the sword.
2: I think our own goalkeeper put us to the sword that night, but yeah, I can remember the Alan Thompson header at the back post. Did he not score a goal quite similar against Stuttgart the season before in the UEFA yeah. Cup run, back post mm-hmm. header. And it's like, a, but I looked so much like, oh, we're going to get it. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. this is only our second venture at the Champions League at this point. But as the years would go on, the away thing would become more and more of a, it's always weighing in the back of your mind, but yeah, that close to getting that first away win. And what a, what a win it would have been in the uh, Munich Olympic Stadium. She's I mean, the likes of Rafe Rovers and Norwich have won there. You know, Celtic could have been added to that uh, list of uh, prestigious names. But uh, yeah, really? in the end, Roy Mackay, with that um, <laughs> with that goal mm. at the oh Jesus, the, the one from was 35 yards or something. He just has a pot shot. But bounces, well, that, right that's good. the thing.
0: The the, the first goal's one in real beauty because Stan Varga sort of heads it out, just gets it out of the danger area. And mm. of all the people, you don't want to fall at the mm. bang on the volley. Roy McK- I mean the Headman had no chance with that one, but it was a it was a video nasty. The second goal, like you say, nice. it, it was just one of those. Balls into the box. I don't even know if it was a shot. I think it was one of those cross-come right. shots. And Hedman gets nowhere near it. Um, to, you know, So it was heartbreak on game one, which uh, sadly, as, we all, as, as we've discussed there, it's been pretty much uh, the status quo in all our years since. We've never won our uh, opening fixture in the Champions League group stages, unfortunately. So you always feel like you're playing catch-up. But, uh, yeah, Stephen, my big brother once famously said, uh, regarding that era, regarding Big Rab and Magnus at uh, Hedman. He says, God, if we'd, if we'd had Boric a couple of years earlier, we'd have probably won the UEFA Cup and beat Bayern Munich away from home. Uh, do you think that's a tad unfair? Or, I know you've got, you've got always got a soft spot for dodgy keepers, so I thought you <laughs> your, 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 state your case for the defence.
1: First of all, I do want to address something. Craig, where the it, Stephen, why is the membership paused? I'll look into that. I'll have to speak to John. I have uh, no issue why, or what would be paused, but I'll get that tag for you, and let you all know. Um, in terms of the keepers, and if I go back to the Baron Munich game as well, is I mean, the rare thing baffled me by the way, Phil. What about Nullies I didn't know they went, they Rafe won and there, Norwich
2: but... beat them in the UEFA Cup during the 90s at the
1: Olympics. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. There's a famous that's picture, incredible. isn't
0: that at Staff's Park? It's Bayern Munich nil, Great Rovers 1
1: <laughs> Aye, that's <laughs> incredible. But I mean, if, if you go back to it, and this is our second venture into the Champions League, and you just look at the the caliber of players were playing against, like Oliver Kahn, what a goalkeeper he was. You had Ballack in midfield, you had Hargreaves, Pizarro, Santa Cruz up top, Mackay, who was a lethal poacher at that time in European football. And as I think he's the assistant manager, we were discussing off air, of our nearest rivals across the city. So there's a bit of history there. And then you look at our team, I thought, like, I spoke about this a lot with some friends of mine, Ryan McWilliams, who had done a rewind series with. Like if Celtic had a won that year for cup, do you think we could have went on and maybe challenged for the Champions League? That's another type of thing because Porto done it and then they they went and won it. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Obviously they beat us and off the back of that momentum, it continued on the Mourinho and then they won the Champions League. Could that have happened to Celtic? Is that is that wishful thinking on our part? But well, like back to the key, it's definitely
0: wishful thinking. But I don't think it's I don't think it's a, as absurd as it maybe sounds now, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because be like you said, that the Porto went on to win it. Um. We certainly had the players there uh, to mm-hmm. to do it. Um, I think Porto were technically a, a, a better side, I don't uh, you know, in yeah. terms of skill and you know the, the likes of Deco and um, just pulling the strings in that midfield. But I think I if we had got to the last 16, shall we say, I think we would have fancied our chances against anybody in that era. Um, yeah. Like you say, I, 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 I think getting. Into the nitty gritty of it would have been a couple of bridges mm-hmm. too far, but no, it's a, it's a fair point, Stephen. We certainly. I think. I, I think, but that team. I think a lot of that team feel that they underachieved in the Champions League. Yeah. Um, and I think as we we'll, as we we'll go on and, and we see that it was sometimes just a, a case of a one decision here, here or there um, that really did prove costly. But yeah, we certainly were the, a, a a sort of juggernaut in Europe at
1: that particular time. I think Craig went a oh, legend here, the board, the board wouldn't have followed through. I mean, that could be true as well. We all know the issues that we have with the, the Celtic hierarchy. But, I mean, back to what you were saying, the keepers, like Headman Marshall. I see that debut Marshall had at the, at, the, at the New Camp. It was absolutely unbelievable. He was on fire. He saved everything. Obviously, you're paid off adrenaline. You didn't know you were going to play and all that type of stuff. And he was fantastic. And then you had Headman. Douglas still around, and I like Magnus Edmund. I thought he was all right. He, he had a promising start to his career from what I've up, read up about him in terms of playing in English football. And then he obviously tailed off, they came to us, and that kind of decline continued. But there was potential there about him, like well, it was the mm-hmm. Swedish number one at one point. He I, certainly arrived to a great fanfare, and there was a lot of money spent
0: definitely. on him for you know, back in terms of you know, real terms for, for what we paid. Mm. Um... And funnily enough, uh, I might contradict myself a wee bit here because the next game that we're going to mention, he actually did have a brilliant game at Celtic Park that night. Um, it was more the away games where uh, sadly um, he let us down. But, uh, <laughs> well, you'll remember as we, we talked to earlier that Leon um, at that mm. time were an, uh, were an absolutely fantastic team. And I still vividly remember driving through, or being in the car driving through to this game. Mm. And um, the. The media, even the Celtic supporters within the, the the sort of broadcast media, were very much a case. Of this is the this was going to be the first damage limitation job um, mm. we were going to have in the Champions League. It was very much if we can keep this to two or three, then it would be pretty respectable.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but fair play to Lyon, they did only keep it down to two because we <laughs> uh, absolutely produced the goods. Um, it was one of the. Uh, it sometimes goes under the radar because perhaps some of the other results we've had have been the sort of sexier names but I reckon if you go you can go back to that match against Leon at Celtic Park as as good a night as any as we've had. You know the atmosphere was incredible. Um Leon played very well in the game. There's no two ways about it. Like I say Magnus Hedman actually has two or three really good saves in it. Mm -hmm. But the last 20 minutes um a young Leon Miller came off the bench and the rest is history.
2: Did. The thing about Leon as well, up until that point in Celtic folklore, the only thing they were associated with was the Henrik Larson leg break because mm-hmm. they obviously were the team who we were playing that night a few years before it. So I think Larson went a long way that night to sort of exercise the demons of what happened against Leon a few years before because he obviously sets up both the goals. The Sutton one in particular is one of my favorite Larson Sutton combo mm-hmm. goals because they were amazing together. Mm-hmm. Larson was good with anyone he played alongside, but those two in particular, the link-up play, I believe it comes from maybe a throw-in, but Sutton passes out to mm-hmm. Larson, and if you watch the footage again, while Larson's out on the left beating the fullback, you can see Sutton making a very direct run mm-hmm. in a straight line. He just keeps it going. Larson just looks up, clips the ball over. He doesn't need to break his stride, just gets a perfect header on it, nods it in the corner. And then the Lee Miller goes pretty much from the same spot, same header, mm-hmm. and it's Larson again. And it's just, oh, that, that night, that performance was fantastic. And I can also remember there was a, a Green Brigade banner years later in the Champions League where they had all of the tombstones of all the teams we'd beaten. I remember uh-huh. Leon being one of the tombstones. It was like Juventus, right, yeah. uh, AC Milan. Leon, very justified. So they say they'd won eight titles in a row or something in the mid 2000s mm-hmm. in France. That was a big, big scalp for us to take. But yeah, that yep. that Larson Sutton line cup goal, I love that one so much. Love
0: it. It, it was such, that this is a good, I mean, I, I know I don't like to give. Especially the paper that he writes for, um, too much traction. But I always remember Bill Wacky uh, Stephen saying that it was the greatest European night up until that point that he'd ever experienced at Celtic Park, which I think probably just goes to show you the the, the type of the type of night it was. Um, you you could argue that with that blueprint had started um, a couple of seasons before in our first season in the Champions League, um, and then throughout the UEFA Cup run, some of the, the the big teams we played on that run as well, but. It, it was, again, just another one of those nights where it was that special atmosphere, that fortress, as you've often described it, um, that Celtic Park uh, was back in those days. You turned up not fearing
1: anybody. Well, yeah, I mean, to point it as well, I was speaking to Phil her, and there was a stat floating around saying, among this group, we played a home game. It was our 100th and our 72nd win during a period of time. And that's an incredible stat. the fact that people came, and they got beat that often because it was such a fortress. My only gripe is now that seems to have tailed off a bit. And you, you kind of, I, I know we've spoken about it before, actually, but I do feel there's a lot of tourist kind of attraction at Celtic Park and European nights where people wanted to be there for the You Never Walk Alone video on it, putting it on Twitter. It all looks pretty. It all looks good in pictures. But I want it back to that time where you have Martin Raleigh in a track suit, run up and down the lane, going <laughs> mental. You've got the fans singing from start to finish. No stupid breaks in between. The Champions League anthem's going. The players are up for it. They're ready to rock and roll. You know like The atmosphere is fantastic. We all know it's well-renowned. But we need to get that intimidation factor back again where teams are scared to come to us. We did well against Real Madrid 100% and they were too much for us in the end. But when we have like, Leipzig and all coming up next and stuff, we, we need to really show our mettle and show we're yeah. a force again in European football. But the tailback what we we're saying about this game against Lyon, not going to pretend that anyone watching or uh, used to as well, my memory's hazy, right? It's hazy. But what I can remember is the impact Liam Miller had mm-hmm. coming off the bench. A young Irishman, mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic. And he actually played a big part in Celtic European money played in the qualifying yeah. rounds against Kunis and MTK mm-hmm. as well. So he had a bit of pedigree there. And Martin lee always kind of free any youngster. Maloney, or being McGeady that are on, or be in this case, it would be Lane Miller. And the, the fact he came on with no fear, you like to see yeah. that. With, with players, he came on and took a bit of scruff and neck. He was driving the midfield forward. He scored that head of goal. And then, obviously, that catapulted the, the Larsen whipped it into something he scores a, a header as well. So it was a f- fantastic performance. But the atmosphere again, to go back to it, it just grips me now that that seems to disappear. And we do have, obviously, the famous sing songs and you, the goosebumps come. But you just want this, the players to be frightened. He want them to know they're coming in for a game and not coming for a couple of pitchers to Selby Park to say this is a brilliant atmosphere. I hate that.
0: I, I, I definitely agree on on that front. Like you say, I, I reckon had had we had, had McGregor's shot going going in that night um against Madrid, that, that those decibel levels would have been raised mm. again. But I do think you know. But and that's it. But and obviously there's no shame in losing to Real Madrid. But I think you're bang on, Stephen. These next couple of games coming up. That's why maybe the away leg in Leipzig so important as well. But yeah, that 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 intensity has to has to be there because. It's always there at the start, but just sort of the way the results have went a little bit the last few years in Europe, it, it can die off a little bit quicker than, than we would like. So, yeah, I think uh, massive games coming up uh, in this campaign.
1: But, oh, yeah, um, I'll just say as well, sorry, yeah, sorry, sure. Monty's uh, Monday's putting the chat. You know him and Ross, like would have a bit of crack. He, he asked mm-hmm. me, has Ross packed it in? Far from it, that The big man's training for a marathon, which he's running this Sunday. So we're all wishing him well, and wishing him good luck and quite busy at the moment doing that. So we'll be back on soon, back on shortly.
0: Absolutely, they, 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 I think the pair of them are missing each other, really, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> they, they love each other, really. Um, but so, Phil, we obviously have that incredible result against Leon, mm-hmm. where we had that kind of textbook home performance in the Champions League, where we, but mm-hmm. where we stand up against all odds and come away with an amazing result and memories to last mm-hmm. forever. And then a couple of weeks later. We had the textbook away performance in the Champions yep. League. Where this was this was going to be the night. Obviously, like you said, the the textbook sort of away forum was starting to uh, have its sort of get starting mm-hmm. to create headlines in the media. But we did think this was going to be the game after everything we'd done against right. Leon, after everything we'd done the year before in the UEFA Cup, this was going to be the night we were going to put some points on the board <laughs> against a very, very average underleg team. They yep. were going to be no match for Larson, Sutton, Hartson, Petrov at all, and then it all went tits up. And we had it was just one of the worst games of football I remember really watching mm. Celtic play in Europe. It was it was dreadful.
2: I from what I remember watching it, I think we had a fair few chances. It was one of those mm-hmm. typical we lost a shady rubbish goal, typical goal that Celtic would lose away from home in Europe. I believe it was a Ivorian striker, Aruna Dindan, that was mm-hmm. the. The uh the one that haunted us that night, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I can remember going into that game and thinking they would be that we'll you know come away with a win there. The no problem yeah, one of those ones. where even when they scored, I think the commentators were even like stunned that mm-hmm. how how could Celtic be losing this? Because I say we did squander chances again and. Yeah, it's one of those, uh, you know, just typical. What would would uh, be the blueprint, as you said, going forward? Mm-hmm. Teams like Alborg, there's one for f- your future uh, rewind episodes. There's another one. That that <laughs> you know, there's always going to be shady teams that beat us, you know, the fourth seed team and all that. Again, Anderlecht were in that category. Rosenberg the year before, you know, again, it was Bratback that came to haunt us that time. And uh, yeah, it just became part and parcel for Celtic. and... Um, their Champions League campaigns Copenhagen there's another one coming up as well so oh, yeah it's always the same level of team
0: yeah. oh. it's going to be some laugh these next few episodes isn't it uh, yeah. but no <laughs> they, yeah, although Patrick did it was true Celtic had, did have a goal chopped off um, mm. in the in the first half in that game and it, yeah to mm. say it was to say it was a sketchy decision there uh, <laughs> Probably putting it mildly, um, the only saving grace we could maybe take for the night is we did look resplendent in that black away kit, oh, but uh, yes. I'm really clutching it strong. And also, other...
1: also, as well, Vincent company said that Larson and Harson were the toughest strikers he's played against in terms of yeah. when he was younger and that. So, well, there's always right. that. And look, look, look at the defender he turned out to be. So, you know what I mean? take all, all the confident points there, Anthony. Well, <laughs> as
2: the story goes, he was 17 year old when he played against us in the Andalag mm-hmm. team, and in the home game. Apparently, mm-hmm. Alex Ferguson was in attendance to watch Vincent Company, but it was somebody mm-hmm. else in a Celtic shot that caught his mm-hmm. eye that night, which is the mm-hmm. game you want to talk about. But aye, when he's been asked about when companies said about who's the toughest opponent he played against. Apparently, John Hartson is the name that he always brings up because he ragdolls him in the, mm-hmm. the home game in particular. So, aye, tough, tough opponent for him.
0: Absolutely. Um, so, it left us with three points from the first three games and this was obviously what we were always going to be doing, playing catch up. But we did hope, with the fact that we two home games coming up, that we could kind of claw um, those results back. And certainly on match night four, we certainly gave a huge gave ourselves a huge boost, the chance of getting through into the next round. It was you could probably argue the most complete first half, especially performance ever uh, Celtic I had in the Champions League. It was, uh, but you're bang on, Patrick. It was uh, bonfire night that night. Mm-hmm. It was like the streets of Baghdad driving into Gla- through Glasgow <laughs> that night. It's all you heard was crackles. It was, uh, it was unbelievable. But it did have that kind of buzz that you could maybe argue that we had against Rangers uh, back in February there. Um, that sort of driving in midweek, everybody up for it. The stadium was full for uh, quite early doors. Um, And I actually think there might even have been, in fact, no, sorry, I'll I'll take that back. That's the next next episode we do. Um, I'm sure the undertones (laughs) were playing pre-match, but I think that was against AC Milan the following season. But um, the place was absolutely jam-packed. And in our first half, first half an hour, we absolutely blew and elect away. We were 3-0 up, and it's no, suffice to say, it could have been more than that. Henrik um, scored what proved to be his last, Champions League goal um, for Celtic um, at, that night. A brilliant little cushion header from DD Agat. Liam Miller, as we're, as we're about to sort of chat about him, he had probably his finest uh, time in a, a Celtic jersey. He absolutely ran the show in the middle of the park and we thought we have got an absolute diamond here. And um, and of course, Big Sutton uh, rounded it off right. but in 27 minutes. Uh, we were an absolute dreamland. And uh, I would say, yep, it's again, like Leon, it maybe goes under the radar, Phil, but that night is definitely up there for me. It was one of, it was an absolutely fantastic performance.
2: I as especially, you know, after starting with a loss, you know, suddenly we're right back in the driving seat again, back to back, well, one Both the, the two and so I six points after four games. So I saw right and about it again. We've got Bayern mm-hmm. Munich coming up, so the confidence is high. Again, you think, oh, we, we don't fear anybody, but uh, the performance against Ander like that night was phenomenal. And I can remember now when you're saying that it was a first half where you know, we mm-hmm. just blew them away. In the second half, I think we kind of took the foot off the gas a wee bit because he did get mm-hmm. one back and there was a wee few dodgy moments, but mm-hmm. overall, controlled the game and uh, put ourselves right in with a chance of qualification now because uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, the. Say, William Miller, in particular, um, absolutely diamond. You know, you you know that we've discovered an, a, an amazing player uh, coming through our youth system as well. Obviously, he was about to uh, change. On a minute ago, where mm-hmm. like Ferguson was in attendance and came up to watch Vincent Company. Came away obviously, but I think Roy Keane also played a part in that one. As the story goes, yeah. but. Uh, At that time, we weren't to know, but um, the future was looking very, very bright and uh, yeah, the team was really ticking over well at that point. So, yeah, we were totally right to be very confident about our chances here in this group now, where we were sitting after four games.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Like you say, Ander did pull one back in in the second half, but it was a mere consolation. I always remember it was a penalty kick and um, mm. I'm really contradicting my Magnus Hedman uh, part of the earlier <laughs> on here because Magnus <laughs> Hedman made an absolutely tremendous save for the penalty mm. and the rebound. He actually, it was almost <laughs> uh, the ball was almost under him when he skipped the, the rebound away as well. But it's just his luck that it fell to eh, the under leg. I think it was a runner again actually that, that a ends a good up good in, in the end. And uh, I think that just kind of summed up uh, Magnus's luck at Celtic, even when he had a great. That yeah, the ball still ended up in the back of the net, but what can, what can you do? <laughs> and um, that set up and absolutely, I mean, it doesn't get any more box office than uh, well the fourth time European champions as they were then Bayern Munich <sighs> uh, coming to town. Um, fantastic night, but as of course we all rolled up, we thought this is what we do: we take on the big teams at Celtic Park and we blow them away. And to be fair, we had a good game that night, um, and I always remember that that wee flick on from Chris Sutton. Uh, just in the 88th minute, and it, yeah, everyone thought it was in that hits the side netting, uh, which is which is unfortunate. But um, Stephen, that uh, what remains I remember most about that game aside from you know the amazing affair and the, the Bayern fans that night were absolutely magnificent as well, was the Bayern Munich players at the end of the game uh, actually sell you? You, could, you would have thought they'd actually won the tournament that night. That's how big a, a scalp not losing at Celtic Park. Was at that time um, they were up, they were jumping about celebrating they, they went right up to the Bayern fans and they were doing the you know the arms up doing mm-hmm. the sort of ole kind of thing it was it was unbelievable uh, but that's like what you say it's just
1: that's that's just the kind of venue Celtic Park is that needs to come back that needs to mm-hmm. see that to have players celebrating as draw as you said that needs to come back the Celtic Park I said let like the likes of Cluj or and they're like Copenhagen. Whoever it may be, come and claim a scalp. It needs to be back when you're beating these teams on the regular and people are scared to come. And I think on the research I've done, I hope this is a thick point, Sway Gordon Eriksson was in attendance, looking at Chris Sutton and Thompson potentially for Lignan's squad at that time as well. So I mean, even though personally, I think they got out, they, they should have had so many more caps for, for that country. It's unbelievable they've been mm-hmm. overlooked because of the league to play in. But they've done it in European football. What I love as well, it's kind of the romance of it all, Yes, regardless if it was a nil-nil, whatever, but it's the fact that these players have been called no marks, so they're, they're, they're not good because they're playing a certain league. They can dominate teams. You have Fargé, you have Baldy just being absolute monsters at the back. Players were afraid of them all the time, couldn't near them. Then you have Liam Miller coming in, a young player, young guy, as you said, a diamond of a player. Lenny and Petrov, Lambert and all. I mean, absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic players. And then up the top of the pitch, Larson, who Egyptian king rightly said, even when Larson went to United, it was so hard to, to hate him because he was a true lesson. He, he 100% was. These players were pure quality. And I love the fact that likes of Chris Sutton came from a bad time in England. People writing him off. And, and he'd done it for us in European football. He'd done it for us against the big teams. He was absolutely fantastic. And the whole baron Munich, we've had some cracking games against baron Munich. A couple of years ago, remember Colin McGregor scored against him? I think Rogers was there. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely, yes. We could have we held on him on that game, but unfortunately we didn't. And that's what I'm bringing it back to. We need to find that bit where we can hold on and t- take it the, the impetus and keep it. And whether it's a draw or a 1-0 win, bring it back again. Because Celtic Park, we all know, we've seen it today, it was published in the top 30 attendances as the world. So the, the fans come, the fans mm-hmm. are back in the team. The, the, the players just need to find a way to make it a fortress like only ladies team did at that time.
0: Yep. I think that was one of the the, the the sort of main strengths for ones that not just the, obviously the fans being the twelfth man and, and everything you know that we, mm-hmm. we say about that. Um, this was a team that was packed with with, with skillful players, as you know, like, you know, like you say, Liam Miller, um, Paul Lambert, a Champions League winner, um, Stelian Petrov. All these guys um, had all the skill in the world, uh, and and did the likes of obviously Henrik and Sutton as well. But they were <laughs> nobody. On planet Earth was going to bully these guys no matter who they were playing against.
2: I think as well, the, the attitude of that team as a collective, a lot of them had a bit of a chip on their shoulder, which isn't a bad thing. You know, I've yeah, you know, myself and Russell have talked about it before doing Bustard, but Larson. Larson mm-hmm. did have an arrogance about him, but that's not necessarily bad, he just believes his own ability. Same with like you know Cristiano Ronaldo nowadays, the guy just knows he's good. Larson, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sutton, he had a chip on his shoulder, the point to prove guys like Thompson. Petrov, Lambert, Lennon, these guys were all big, big characters. You've seen like the open goal interviews that like Dad and Adiz done and says how he used to get wound up as a, a youth player. They would all you know bam him up when he'd come into the dressing room and stuff like that. And it's like that that era of player is gone now in modern day football. You know, the, you don't get that now in a dressing room. Mm-hmm. Every player wants to be molly coddled and you know managed really like you know, Michael imagine So they all can only play one position, and you know they're very yeah. all care about mm-hmm. likes on Instagram. You see this kind this of collective team. I see certain hearts mm-hmm. and Petrov, Lambert, Lennon, just huge, huge characters. And I think that helped them massively because they were like, nah, we're not going to be, you know, roll over here and have our belly tickled by whoever comes to town. Mm-hmm. We're going to make, if they're going to win, they're going to have to fucking earn it from us, basically. Mm-hmm. So that was the attitude that that team had. And, uh, it went a long way. It really did. And you see it on nights like, you know, the, during this campaign, at Celtic Park in particular. And, yeah, the fact Bayern Munich were celebrating getting a 0-0 draw, yeah. uh, it shows how much they, they knew that they had to earn that draw at the end of it. <laughs> do, you yeah.
1: it's, do you think, do you think Anthony as well, and even Phil, maybe mm-hmm. a 2 problem one here? Do you think that, we look at Poster Koglu's team now, and, and it's fantastic, mm-hmm. and we always talk about the collective, right? And You mm-hmm. mentioned that, Phil, the collective. Do you think this is the best collective unit we've had since O'Neill? Maybe there's not as as, as many like characters in terms of Petrovs, Lennons, mm-hmm. but you still have Yakimakis, Joe Hart, Carter Frick, there's Tom mm-hmm. McGregor. There's personality in the team now, I think.
2: I'd say the only one that's between that and the Neil, was probably one of Lennon's squads, maybe like the one with like Hooper, Stokes, Commons, Mulgrew. Mm-hmm. There was a bit of a, like a good camaraderie there, which of course became a detriment for the next manager that came in and took over and tried to change so much, Ronnie Dyler. It was the click that yep. ended up uh, forcing him out a wee bit in the end. But yeah, I think like at that point in time, we were Lennon, but between you know that, we had like Strachan's team, Mowbray. And then, even like Brendan Rodgers' teams, didn't they have that sort of camaraderie? So I think, yeah, I think like, that... yeah, I'd say Lennon's probably had the closest to the, the Anil one, and that probably comes from the fact that Lennon played under Anil, yeah, so it probably yeah, very you know, true. came from him.
0: I, I think you're bang on there, Steve. we we're, we've we're, we're kind of we're trying to toy with the idea of doing a sort of who would win, you know, like a couple of spin offs, uh, future shows, who would win between. Uh, you know the, the the invincible season for this or Orange's team, and obviously we we keep mentioning about the about O'Neill's team as well. I, I actually think, although we had the, the, the treble winning year and the UEFA Cup uh, year as well, and the hundred and three points in two thousand and one, two thousand and two, I accept that quite a lot of the the that a lot of the players were there for the, the, the full four years. But this team, the 2003 fourth team, the double winning team, um, that this is probably my favourite ever. Celtic team. I'm a wee bit too young to remember the sort of the double winning team 8-8 and the uh, you know I was a, a wee boy when when Tommy's team were, were you know entertaining, but just but just coming up that wee bit short. But that on your team, I think ruthless was the term he described. Yep. Uh, Martin used to describe them that season. They were just the minute they went to six points clear in the league, they wanted to go to nine, they wanted to go to twelve, they wanted to go to fifteen. Um, I think they were just so. They were obviously bitterly disappointed with how the season ended the, the season before. Obviously, it was great memories getting to Seville, but obviously, we didn't win the trophy. And then, obviously, all the the sort of drama of the final day, they were. it must have been pretty sickening for them seeing Rangers parading the trophy round um, after a 6-1-1 against Dunfermline. I think they were pretty determined to say that it wasn't going to be two in a row at Ibrox, and my God, did we know, uh put them in their place that season. A green and whitewash derby, um, obliteration season where we won every game uh, we played against them on the way to winning a League and Cup double as well. So it wasn't a bad season all round. But uh, in terms of the Champions League, it was the same same old story, unfortunately, Phil. Oh boy. <laughs> Group yeah, was- night, match day six, half mm-hmm. and And mm-hmm. um, yeah, a dodgy penalty uh, <laughs> We a few minutes to go, which I will argue that I am green in the face was never a penalty kick, but um, we only needed a point. going into the last game, Leon were on seven points as we were first and second. Bayern Munich were only on six points. going into match night six, can you believe that? Whoa. And Anderlecht were uh, bottom with four points. So all we needed to do was get a point. We would have won, uh, or we would have went through as. Uh, Fight not to, to tell a lie. We would have went through as group winners because we are oh, head to head. Oh, would have nice. been better against Leon, wow. so. We go a goal behind. Um, we got free kick from Janino, tipped onto the bar by Headman, yep. but then he it, it sort of stayed at the post as it got headed in. Uh, mm-hmm. from Elbear and, and Leon went 1 0 up. We got ourselves mm-hmm. back into the game. John Hartson made it 1 awesome. 1. Yep, Janino. Then at the goal you were t- talking about earlier, Janino hit one from I think it was very near the halfway line, right into the center of the goal, and it went under Headman, which it, mm-hmm. it just I think it was almost the beginning of the end for him, really at Celtic. Yeah. Despite the fact that he had a good few games in between that, that was mm-hmm. that was kind of it became back to the same old story. But then, mm-hmm. with ten minutes to go, yep. an awkward deflected ball uh, bounced off Momo Salah right into the path of Chris Sutton. <laughs> yep, and it was two-two
2: uh, <laughs> with
0: five minutes to go uh, mm-hmm. before the penalty was given. And I think we we'll, were we'll sort of saying it off there as well. What I've found about the first two seasons in the Champions League. Very, very similar. We've got heroic defeat from a penalty and a, a, and a an away game. We've had uh, we've had the glory nights at home. We've had the terrible performance against the, the pop four side away from home. It, it, you felt like it was almost becoming a bit of a formula. But um, as as heartbreaking as it was that night, you could still feel proud with with the, with the campaign that we'd had.
2: Ah, you could. I mean, this is the this is the Bobo Baldi handball, isn't it? Where mm-hmm. he uh, goes up for the header where an arm mm-hmm. outstretched and it grazes <laughs> against his arm. So yeah, I've I've said this before, and I think every football fan must feel this is a natural thing. But I, mm-hmm. I swear to God, Celtic must have the worst luck. We do concede <laughs> the worst goals, especially in Europe. I know there's <laughs> other teams may go, No, no, we do, and I'm like, but no, I swear to God, Celtic there's never a good goal scored against Celtic, like a 35 yard screamer right in the top mm. corner. It's always something ridiculous. So we shoot ourselves in the foot. And there you go, with five minutes to go. Sutton does all the hard work, gets his equaliser. Mm. Momo Silla's even involved in the build-up for it. That's a hard way to that. get there. And then Bobo Baldi get, and even if you know, I know you're saying you know, you can argue it wasn't a penalty, but he gives the referee an option, he goes up for a header yeah. with an arm outstretched. And if even mm-hmm. really it grazes against him and it's like of all the things to happen, this is so uh-huh. Celtic. And as they over the years you look back at some of the ridiculous goals we concede, and this is just another one to add to the list. We've done all the hard work, but in a great position, and we just shoot ourselves right in the foot again through some ridiculous means. And yeah, that's this was a sickener, a, a sickener to lose. Yeah, overall you can be happy with how we went toe to toe with some of these teams, but we were that close, man so so,
0: so. Mm-hmm. group winners, as you said group winners? With five minutes to go, we were top in the group And at full time, we finished third it's, Oh my it's god like, What can you say, eh? Um, so, Stephen, it was heartbreak Yet again for us In the Champions League group stage But we did, yet again Same as a year one Finished third in the group, which is, uh, as Fans know, it, it still does it, it, it takes you into the Europa League these days Back then, it was the old straight knockout UEFA Cup. My favorite, one of my, I much preferred it when it was a straight knockout. I have to say, I think that made the UEFA Cup quite unique um, in that way. But um, we were hoping from two years previous, we hoped for a decent draw, and we got Valencia who had been in the Champions League for the previous two seasons. First up this year was Teplice, which was uh, yeah, we, we we took care of business quite quite straightforward at home. Uh, it was a one-nil reversal um, over there, but again, similar to, to some of the other matches, it was yeah. just a, like under left. It was just a, a sort of consolation. But then we did get the glamour team from uh, in the in the last sixteen, FC Barcelona. Maybe not quite the, the, the maybe weren't the team that they went on to become, but that was still mm. a team. You know, the, the likes of Ronaldinho, uh, who was king of the new camp back then. But uh, what you got any memories of, the, of that game, Stephen?
1: The one at the new camp, we won 1 0, didn't we? If, if I'm we won 1
0: 0 at Celtic
1: Park. and we try Alan, Alan Thompson scored, Alan didn't Thompson. he? Yeah. That's right, yeah. Right. I remember, like, I was watching that, that game with a friend, and mm-hmm. I remember sitting, we were quite young. I think I was already eight, eight years old, but obviously, you get the, the memories, you know what's going on on the TV and stuff. And at that point, like, I got nerves and that, but even when you watch Celtic play bars and all that time, you weren't actually afraid they were going to get it done. You weren't mm-hmm. going. I yeah, like you said, you got Raledino, you've got Raladinho, uh, you've got all these players, all, all mm-hmm. these world class players here are escaping my mind when I want them to come into it. But they're absolutely an incredible team. Alan Thompson, again, what a player he was in Europe for Celtic. You know what I mean? Pa- popped mm-hmm. up with some final goals. As you've talked about, the header at the back post. He comes in in the AFA Cup. He scores against Barcelona. Again, baffles me how they didn't get more international caps, but we all know why the ignorance towards Scottish football. Mm-hmm. But overall, like I seen a video, you can correct me if I'm wrong. It was mm-hmm. John Kennedy playing at the U camp. Was it that? But was that, that season? Please tell me it was. It was, yeah, yep.
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah. It right. because, So
1: he,
0: he had a, so that was in the March, um, at the beginning of March, the the, the away leg, and he had a fantastic performance that night. It was abs- everyone yeah. obviously talks about, rightly talks about David Marshall, heroic sat that night, but John Kennedy was absolutely. Outstanding that night, yeah. Um, but it was that, that it was the the international break just a few weeks later where he picked up the horrific injury. So you know, ah, the, the, he stars one brightest in the new camp that night, and sadly we didn't get to see too is, much of the, him after that.
1: This is what I was going to say. The video I saw that the the fight for every ball, the tackling, the absolute just attitude of the players to go in and win them balls against them world class players. You see now the new defendants standing off. Keeping close, but not sliding in or trying to get in front, these players mm-hmm. were bang. John Kennedy, especially, he was an absolute colossus that night. And even the times where it broke away, Herman Garson had a couple of chances. Yes, we we're damn near that you're going to be dominant in the new camp, but they the go through to they like, have that confidence and have that, as, as Phil Brady said, that arrogance to think you could put a team like Barcelona out. It's incredible. And then at Selby Park, winning one nil, it was the norm back then. Mm-hmm. It was yep. the the normal thing, like as you said, uh, that was a good word by the way, juggernaut. That was mm-hmm. a very good word, honestly. We were that type of team in Europe. Yes, we weren't obviously the best, but we we fairly gave things a go and we proved it against that Barcelona team. And that, as you rightly said, Raul Daniel, unbelievable, probably one of the best players in the world back then, if not the the best player in the yeah. world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would I would say it was at, at that
0: particular time, yeah, I I think so. I think um, it was just I mean, it was just so skillful and um. But like you say, he, he's uh, you could argue that he was Superman, but um I would say, Phil, that maybe David Marshall had kryptonite in his gloves
2: mm. that night. Oh man, the the thing is as well, the uh the first leg there's obviously the halftime madness because the game was on BBC, they covered the UEFA Cup games. And That's I can right. remember at halftime, I want to say it was maybe Dougie Donnelly was still hosting at that point, and obviously he's like they're you know, talking in the studio half time. He says, Oh, bye, we've mm-hmm. just had news of uh an incident in the tunnel. It turned mm-hmm. out Rab Douglas and Thiago Morta had got into a scrap in the tunnel at half time, and it was like both of them being sent off for the mm-hmm. second half. And it was like, I, I remember it, my first thought at the time was, Who, who's our subkeeper? Because this boy yeah. Marshall had never ever played for us. Because we right, still yeah. also had Headman, who'd obviously felt a favour. I think Javier mm-hmm. Sanchez Broto may have still been on our books, but he was he on the bench mm-hmm. that night. It was mm-hmm. uh, this youngster, David Marshall. So he comes on for the second half, but Barcelona also had Javier Saviola sent off in the second half. They went down to mm-hmm. nine men. But um, okay. aye, Thompson scores a goal. It's like um, a nice cushioned header in his path. And it's like a, a scissor kick, wasn't it? Like he goes a, a side scissor oh, kick he right. in. But uh, it was phenomenal scenes. And obviously hold on, get the win. We played a half with a, a rookie goalkeeper in. And of course, we still had some league games between there. So Marshall mm-hmm. just basically dropped back out of the team. And Douglas was back in for their games. And you Neil know, didn't think, right, this boy's going to have to play in the new camp. I may as well give him some game time. No, no, no. His okay. first actual start Was in the new camp, and there was one save in particular quite early on where he gets right down and gets Xavi or Iniesta's feet like he's right Mm -hmm. on goal and he's got no fear and just gets right down there and just jumps on the ball before he can get a shot away. And it was like, but it was like that all night. Every time they were coming forward, it was like pure, Oh my god,
1: (laughs) wasn't there there a save in the first couple of seconds when the ball was dinked over? And all yeah, their I, players ran onto it, and he comes out and just smothers it. He was just
0: man. fearless, incredible. That, that happens. That that moment happens in about the first forty seconds of the game. We were still getting yeah. our drinks in for the bar, getting ready to go sit down, and we were like, "Oh my god, man, this is going to be an absolute <laughs> annihilation." And uh, but no, that was a, it was a fantastic performance for David Marshall, and uh, oh, you know, and it didn't quite work out for him at Celtic, and uh, but he certainly, you know, like so many other players, maybe like Tony Watt. Their name's going to be synonymous with a great a great performance against the Catalan Giants. So yeah, it's um it always it's always welcome think, back. I just hope it do you doesn't uh, do you, kill one of the games when
1: we play against Hubs. Do you think Sorry, sometimes Steve, that, you yeah, do you think sometimes that can kill a player? we see what, and obviously yeah. we know that obviously Marshall and him are two different characters. Marshall's obviously going to have a better career, but sometimes it's interesting to see that high and then they just keep going down and down, isn't it? Mm-hmm.
0: That, that's it. It can it can be like the sort of meteoric, kind of shooting star kind of uh, sort of episode, really, isn't it? But mm. um, yeah, like you say, two very very different characters. You know, Tony Watt's very much the extrovert, and David Marshall was mm. quite quite a quiet guy. But um, yeah, sadly, like, they just their, their careers certainly like Celtic kind of kind of went in the the same way. But um, our rewards for a magnificent uh, performance against Barcelona, or two magnificent performances against Barcelona. It was getting to that point we were really starting to talk about we were maybe going to be going to back-to-back UEFA Cup finals. That was the sort of I, that I definitely thought that. I at that time, yeah. mm, and uh, yep. we drew Villarreal, a, mm. kind of, one of the lesser-known teams for Spain, shall we say, to be respectful. But yep. um, needless to say, maybe it was a Celtic Feyenoord moment for, for the 70s. Maybe it was this team's version of it because we realised just how good a side they actually were, Phil, and um, mm. They held us kind of similar to Boavista. They held us, to, to yeah. kind of suffocated us to a draw um, at Celtic Park. Henrik scored the equalizer that night. Mm-hmm. His last goal uh, in Europe for Celtic, um, but over there, they, they, they kind of really stamped their authority. It was one of our definitely one of our poorer performances under Martin um, yeah. at Celtic, and um, they, you know, well, rightfully went into the the la- the, the semi-finals. But um, so the, the the dream did kind of. The, the dreamy back-to-back UEFA Cup Finals did die that night and you yes. could argue that maybe we've, we've still not quite at the same height since we've never won a knockout game in Europe <laughs> since this season yeah, uh, which true. I think maybe tells its own story but um, mm. they were that, that that and your team were an absolute as I said we used it earlier juggernaut they were just they were a machine weren't they they, they bulldozed anything but most teams in their way they kept the trophy cabinet overflowing and gave us some, uh, racked us up some air miles on the town it was, um, they were a fantastic team.
2: Oh, for a shadow of a doubt, my lifetime, definitely,
0: not arguably
2: the best sort of so team in terms of overall quality. Yeah, Brendan Rodgers' team was hoovering up the trophies left, right and centre. But um, the, the quality of the teams compared side by side to the mm-hmm. Anil one is phenomenal. And yeah, but what you're saying there about the back-to-back UEFA Cup finals, it's like, I thought so, see when we dropped in Cup and we got by Barcelona and mm-hmm. taking an who we beat the year before the youth Cup, I felt bulletproof. I was like, we'll beat anybody now. And Villarreal, that was my first exposure to Villarreal. I hadn't really mm-hmm. had them, but much like Leon, they had that one talisman, Juan Román Raquelme, who... He yeah. was an absolute baller. And, them, yeah, yeah. The, one of the best number 10s of that era. And yeah, they, they just um, saw us out no problem at all. And again, maybe the players themselves went in with that attitude after beating Barca mm. and what they did the year before and thinking, well, we've beaten Barca. Villarreal, we'll see them aside. But no, they were, they were a very... decent. The similarity you said with the Boavista Vista game the year before, they were quite stodgy in the home game at Celtic Park. They were really hard to break down and it took a, a last to but out there, we just didn't really... Do any damage to them at all? Uh, we definitely are uh, underrated them. I think safe to say. Oh,
0: absolutely, that's a great quote for Egyptian King. They were the Avengers before the Avengers. Absolutely, um, Stephen. just, but maybe just it just came to me here. It's maybe something that we maybe need to keep in focus with regards to this year's group stage because we've had a absolutely fantastic, um, you know, first hour against Real Madrid. And um, we've managed to put a point on the board away from home so far. And um, do we think we have to be very, very careful, especially if we do perhaps pick up a point or or maybe something even better in Leipzig? Maybe I'm even highlighting the point here that I'm already sort of saying we're at least going to get a point in Leipzig. It's very important that we don't take our eye off the ball because we've went to Shakhtar and put a point on the board. And we can't just be thinking that we've got six points banked um, at Celtic Park, we have two games coming up we've got to treat, obviously it's what Ange does, we, we treat each game as it comes and give it um, our full attention but we, we have to make sure that we don't underestimate any of these guys because we have to say that Shakhtar, Leipzig, Celtic although we maybe be that are the, we're without doubt the biggest name out of the three um, but you know that doesn't stand for much in terms of football these days
1: Well I mean if you go back to the Phil Real game I think a wee bit of complacency set in. I mm-hmm. think Phil alluded to the fact that if you if you're beating Barcelona, all bit one on our players would be arrogant, but sometimes that kind of mentality gets set in and be like, We've beat the big dogs, who's for the Real, so to speak? Mm-hmm. But then you get introduced in to Alex of Riquelme, who went on to be one of the best midfield players of his generation and a number ten role as well. I mm-hmm. think Monty alluded to the fact that he was always a player I signed, the championship manager a football manager. Yes. So he was absolutely um uh fantastic and it kinda is similar similar to this season, you're right to point out, Anthony. If if you look at the fact we went to the Nesca, albeit Warsaw, they couldn't play in their home country because we all know what's going on there. But we, we get a respectable point. Me personally, I think it was two points lost because I think we could have been more clinical in the game. We could have won that game, but again, that's another discussion which we had previously in the podcast. And I, you look at Leipzig; these games come up away in Germany, and we can't take her out of the ball because they likes a the team of Warner, team of Warner up top, and and Kunku, that the the fella who is highly sought after in European football. Mm. It's by no means fate going to be six points banked at Celtic Park. It's going to be six points we have to work hard for and go after and be on the front foot. And in Germany, I want a draw or a win. I will not accept the defeat because I, 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 that, for me, spells the end of our, our hopes in the latter stages of the Champions League. And it'll be a dogfight for for third place. I want to keep his momentum going. I want to keep his challenging for that second spot for as long as we physically can. Lego Neal's team did, as you said, ruthless. They wanted to be six points, seven points, eight points clear, in European football, they wanted to be there to take part and not just to make up the numbers, and I firmly believe Pasta Coglu is setting that mentality into the players to do that, because you can see it, the Real Madrid game was, it was one of them games where they were smart in their thinking. They let us waste their energy for sixty minutes and then just mm-hmm. sunk us. Free boom, bang, bam, that was game over. Bye. Absolute top yes. ballers doing that. Against the Nesk. they did it quite similar, but not to the same scale. We mm-hmm. kind of huffed and puffed and Leigh hit us in the counter, tackler player, uh, Modric, the left winger, who's going to be an absolute machine in European football. He, he's incredible. What a guy. But we need to be there and lose the mentality of going, we're we're so happy to be at the top table. Oh, thanks very much. Give us the money. Yefa. Let me, let me look you for the money. We need to be there to, to take part, challenge for second place and go at it and make us, like O'Neill did a force in European football again. Well, there, there we go. I think we just, we should, Big think Anne should just get
0: Stephen in that dugout um, or in the dressing room before the next game, uh, Phil. I think um, we would definitely make sure the players know what's expected of them. Um, so guys, that's, that's most, that's more or less done in terms of, you know, we've looked back over uh, what was, you know, a bit memorable, but unfortunately, um, you know, it didn't end in any, in any glory in terms of the Champions League. Um, I mean, I had a, a good, honest run in the, in the UEFA Cup that year. Um, but just before we finish off, I just, I'll just i come to yourself first, Phil, and then I'll, I'll let you sort of round it off, Stephen. But I felt um, it wouldn't be right to not have a, a little sort of mention to a player that really did light up that, that Champions League campaign and Liam Miller. Um, like we say, to, to coin a phrase from uh, Mika Richards, he sort of burst on the scene that season and um, he started off here that he'd scored against Arsenal in a pre-season friendly and um, you know it, it sort of broke into the team, and you know it, it it impressed. It scored a few goals in the league, you know the likes of uh, Dundee United and, and Hearts. But like the like the the, the real good players that spend the the lights came on brightest that he, he shone. He, he came on in uh, a, a League One at Ibrox, played very well, mm-hmm. and then uh, the games in Europe. Perhaps where we really seen just what a talent he was.
2: Uh, I I do now, we talk about players that don't sign for us and say they're the ones that got away. He's a player that we had, and he was another one that got away. A great what could have been moment, and obviously what happened happened at the end of the season. But uh, you can't blame the lad. Man United still, you know, come and call, and you've you have know, got to do it. Um, but what a player he was, and it was such a shock out of nowhere a few years ago when he was in his sort of mid thirties, wasn't it? Uh, no, 30- yeah, I mean I'm thirty seven. So that just shows you, it's, when I heard that news of him, um, you know, it was uh, cancer, I was just like, Ugh. I mean, I lost my mother through cancer as well, and it's, it's just, it's not anything you want to experience uh, at all, and yeah, when I saw that story years a few years back, it's just a, a real shock to the system, because in my mind, you know, he's still that, you know, full of life, young, or well, early 20s mm-hmm. would have been at that point, mm-hmm. scoring the goals against Lyon and Anderlecht, stuff like that, so... Mm-hmm. It was an absolute, um, absolutely devastating story, and uh, but what, what a, what a player he was when he, he turned out for us in that season in particular, you know. And then, probably again, it's a case of young lad, no fear. Same with David Marshall mm-hmm. later in the season. You know, young lad, no fear. Again, you know, they just know how to play one way, and it's a, mm-hmm. a he's, um, a, an absolutely tragic, tragic story. But the memories that he left with us for that season in particular, mm-hmm. phenomenal, phenomenal, man. Point, that, that's, huh?
0: yeah, I, I echo every word to that, Stephen, uh, Phil, sorry and, yeah, Stephen, I'll, I'll leave it to to uh, your fellow Irishman to, to sort of round it off, but sort of he was, it was a talent, he was a special talent, there's no two ways about it, and obviously there, there was a section of support that, you know, were, were, went, showed a lot of animosity towards him when he made the decision he did, um, but it can be, I mean, if you're, you know, I obviously grew up a Celtic fan, but like most Irishmen, Manchester United were, you know, his, his other team sort of thing. And when the likes of Sir Alex Ferguson and Roy Keane, who was still in his pomp there, see, you know, sell you the dream of you being the long-term replacement to work alongside. You know, Dan Fletcher was coming through at that point. I think that was the, the initial that was going to be the they were going to be the two that were going to take over that United midfield. Um, you know, you, you you can't really blame anyone for, for for making the decision they did. It's just a shame. That it didn't quite
1: work out. Uh, I mean, when you when you look at the supporters, the the Saxon fans are kind of without him for moving. I think it mm-hmm. goes back to the point: the knew how good this guy was. Losing a yeah. talent like like Liam Miller coming from Ireland, probably one of the best prospects to ever come out of Ireland and go, and go to Celtic and then further his career at Manchester United. Yeah, we can all grumble and don't say he moved too early, but. If Alex Ferguson, and I, I don't like United, I've made that pretty clear in other podcasts and, and stuff, but I'll give him his the dues. If Alex Ferguson is there Watson, company and, and a, a young Liam Miller takes his eye and he wants him, and Liam Miller wants to go to United, then he's going. Regardless of your weaknesses, you know what I mean? He, he wants the further his career and, and all that type of thing, And albeit it didn't quite work out for him the way we all hoped. Mm-hmm. But he was a fantastic talent, and his, his years at Celtic, Celtic, he, he broke onto the scene coming into European football. Being fearless, being that guy who actually gets goals in Europe. You know what I mean? Playing an experienced midfield with Lenny and Petrov and and he was the guy who came up and scoring against Leon and scoring in the in the qualifiers, showing his worth to the team in the in the actual league campaign as well. He was absolutely fantastic. And Sean Mack here, he went too soon, unfortunately, 100 percent Like we're looking to the fact, but again, you have to go back to it. You know, knock the door, you're gonna think about it, regardless of what you think. The guy was phenomenal for his age, and obviously, losing him that young the a horrible disease like cancer is horrendous. It's, it's horrendous. And I can only really wish his family well, his friends well, and just kind of, you know, what I mean? he, just a fantastic player gone too soon. And he played really, really well for Celtic Football Club, and that's all we can ask for. And Irish Man lived his dream, oh,
0: absolutely. Um, right. and we can only, we can only, we, the one thing I suppose we, we that for us and Obviously, his close loved ones can have the memories that he did when he, when he was playing for us. He, he, like we said, we've discussed on the show, he was just a special talent. And um, he certainly left his mark at the club. And, um, but guys, that's pretty much us for tonight. My um, well, thanks again to uh, Boise Bus, uh, uh, buddy Phil McGinley for, for joining us tonight. Have you enjoyed no yourself coming on, mate?
2: Always do, mate. Always do. Enjoy. I've mm-hmm. been on the endless sales, and of course, going back in time and reminiscing is definitely my thing. So, uh, yes, I'm always quite happy to be on, mate. Thank you very much for that.
0: No well, problem, well, mate. We'll have you happy have you on any time. Might be uh, yes you know, for going for the rewind series. We have been calling <laughs> your services a few times. But uh, but we've got a few. We're, as I say, this is the second one we've did. We've obviously got a few more uh, seats uh, to actually do. But um, hopefully, you know, obviously, with the, the World Cup and stuff coming up, there's not going to be much in the way Celtic content. So we'll hopefully get through them a bit um, quicker than, you know, once every five weeks like I've done so far. Um, so the next time, we'll, we'll certainly advertise it in plenty of time to make all the viewers um, aware of it. It'll be season 2004-5. We lost Henrik in 3 04. We lost Martin. Uh, at the end of this season, where we took on the likes of AC Milan and Barcelona in the same group, and uh, a team that became our famous uh, top four buddies in Shakhtar Donetsk, we had our first uh, <laughs> yes. in the game. uh It wouldn't be Celtic if it wasn't for an absolutely awful group stage draw. I mean, <laughs> <if we're good laughs> Barcelona and Bayern Munich in the same group. What can you do? But uh, that'll be for another time, guys. Mm-hmm. And um, Stephen, I'll, I'll hand it over to you just to sign us off mate, with your usual phrase, and then um, maybe just yeah. say a bit more about the
1: sponsor um, again, just for
0: anyone that never caught it at the start.
1: Thanks again, hundred percent, hundred percent. Great, so Anthony, By the way, thanks Phil for coming on, it's okay. some pleasure And um, if we look, the Super Six is back. It's felt like a long time since football's been on. So take advantage of it if you're in the league. Join the league as well. There's plenty of opportunities to climb that table. Are are missing is the knock off Sean Ross and knock off Frankie Cardi at the top, let's get them off. Let's get the scores in early if you can. Beer52, our show's new sponsor. I mean, I just finished that. It was absolutely incredible. You can see it there on the top. It was incredible. Nice uh, pale ale beer. Get a lovely magazine. You visit beer52.com forward slash sales to get your free case of beer. You cover your postage. That's it. You can cancel anytime. They send you uh, leaflets. They send you eight beers that are light. Dark, pale, next, whatever you want, because I'm an eel dragger. I love it. So get involved with it. And as we always say, until Friday, stay well and keep safe. Hail, Hail.
2: Hail, Hail.